Blitz Period is a production of BNM Media and brought to you by Sooners360.com. Make sure to go follow Jalen at Sooner Sports Daily on Instagram and at underscore Jalen Ross on Twitter. Welcome back to the Blitz Period. Jalen Ross here. And today uh, we're going to talk slightly about recruiting, which y'all know I don't do that much. And then um, we've got Brent Venables, who's been in the news the last few days for, uh, or I guess weeks, I should say, for some things that he said at Big 12 Media Day that riled a few feathers for no reason at all. And then uh, SEC Media Day is just wrapped up, and that's really about it. So uh, let's go ahead and get right into it. So we're going to kick this thing off with the whole Brent Venables stuff. Now, here's the thing. So Brent Venables went on, I think it was, it was the ref, OU Knightley, and there's one more I know I'm forgetting. But he went on three separate media outlets, if you will. And discussed his approach to roster turnover. Now, Venables did have an interesting quote that said that 97 out of 123 players on the OU roster, 97 of those guys are entering their first or second season as center. So, obviously, everything's new. Okay, we talked about that last year. It was a really big thing that I talked about with this team going six and seven. Now, Britt Venables is not a guy that makes excuses. He is the most, he is the poster child of no excuses. Like he, he's big on that. But on three separate occasions, he brings this up. Now, if you've been under a rock for the past few days, or if you're not on OU Twitter, which Look, you're not really, I mean, you are missing something, but at the same time, you're protecting your own mental health if you're not on OU Twitter, because it is a war zone at times. Uh, love it, but it's it's a war zone. Anyway, uh, Brent Venables went, uh, made a lot of national waves this week because of what he said about Deion Sanders at Colorado and the way that he handled uh, his roster turnover, which, as most people were not happy with when it first took place. Um, to a degree, I understand because it was on camera. And if you missed all that, like he basically just came in and told everybody to go. Um, now, I'm going to just go ahead and read it and read the quote from Venables first before I go any further. So I don't Brent was not asked about this, by the way, like he wasn't asked, what was your approach to to roster turnover? How you how did you handle it? Like, no, he just he just, you know, you, if you've watched a Brent Venables press conference, you know how it is. You ask him a question. He will talk and talk and talk and you get a quote like this. So uh, Venable says, quote, I gave guys 12 months of grace. I was unlike Dion. I gave guys 12 months of grace to figure it out. Here's the three. Go to class, live right off the field, and when you show up over here, you show up with respect and appreciation for your opportunity. And if you go over three for 12 months, you need a fresh start. So we help 21 guys, give or take, find a fresh start, end quote. Now, people got upset and assumed, like, here's the thing. Yeah, it's a shot at Deion Sanders. But it's a very minuscule minor shot, in my opinion. Like, it's not that big of a deal. Deion Sanders didn't even think it was that big of a deal anyway. 
and, and the thing that really like kickstarted it all was whoever made that fake quote from Deion Sanders talking about basically they put a bunch of Deonisms, if you will, talking about how Venables was handed the keys to a Ferrari and he crashed it and the Ferrari smoking and all this different stuff and all this different crap that wasn't even real that that Deion Sanders did not even utter. But it was out there and it caused a lot of confusion. It caused a lot of mass hysteria on Twitter for no reason because people can't understand or can't really recognize the difference between a fake quote and a real quote and can't do a quick Google search. Like, hey, that's on you. But here's my take on this. Like, it's not that big of a deal at the end of the day. Like, he's not lying. Venables and Sanders had two very different approaches to how they how they ran their programs as far as this. Look, Deion Sanders has every right to walk in there and tell those guys to pack their bags. Because here's the thing. Colorado won one game last year. Like, there's no reason to come in in this age of transfer portal where you can just go get your guys from your last school to just say, I'm going to stick it out with these guys right here. We're going to develop them. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. You can do that. But again, this is a team that's coming off of a one-win season. Like, do you really want to do that in your heart of hearts? No, you want to bring in your Travis Hunters and your Shador, San- your Shador Sanders and your, um, your, your, I mean, I'm blanking on other transfers that they bought in, but those are like the two, those are the two main guys that everybody's focused on. Now, I don't think Colorado is going to set the world on fire this year. I mean, again, we, we saw this with OU, like you bring in, you do a complete overhaul of your roster. You bring in a ton of new guys. It takes a minute. It takes a minute to rebuild the culture. It's not easy. You can't, you, Colorado's not going to be a team that goes from one and 11 to 10 and one. Like it's not going to happen. I know the PAC 12 is an easy conference and it's not really grueling. It's, it's not the big 12. It's not the sec. It's nothing crazy, but at the same time, culture changes don't just happen like that. And we saw that. Okay. Like Brent Venables also in that, it wasn't in that same quote, but I think it was in that same, uh, that same interview that he talked about how when he came in they were changing a culture this was a culture of guys who weren't really going to class as much as they needed to guys who there was obviously a lot of off the field issues as we know and he was coming in to change that he was coming in to 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 really reshape that and he got rid of all the guys who couldn't who couldn't live up to that standard that he was trying to create. So he's in the middle of changing a culture. And then you look at the on the field stuff and that's changing a culture of he's trying to have a team that's physical. He's trying to have a team that's that, you know, you're taking over a team that was, that was just all built on speed, speed, speed. And you're trying, like, like I said on Instagram, he's trying to turn this culture from country club to hard nosed grit and grind football. That's not what some of these guys are used to. And that's why you lost guys like Jaden Davis and Bray Walker. I'm not trying to call those guys soft, but that's what those guys were used to. Those guys were used to that brand of football that's not really get in your face. Well, I say Bray Walker. More like the Jaden Davises and the and the 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 the, the skill guys of the world. They they weren't used to that that kind of brand of football. So it's all completely different to them. And some of those guys needed to leave just for the betterment of their, just for the betterment of their careers. Like Jaden Davis, I thought Jaden Davis was actually going to be something this season. I thought he would be on the other side of Woody Washington making plays. Obviously, he didn't see that happening. He goes to Miami. And I think he's going to do well at Miami. And by the way, what Britt Venable said about Miami is far worse than what he said about Deion Sanders. And he didn't directly utter the words Miami University, but everybody knew, everybody knows he's talking about Miami. He talks about how 
you know, obviously six and seven is not good, but say we lose to a middle Tennessee state or we lose 45, three to Florida state. Like that's not, that's, you know, it's different. And Miami fans got into a whole war about that. And I mean, it was a whole thing, but you know, at the end of the day, what Brett Vittable said was not anything crazy. And like, again, Deion Sanders has every right to do it. I mean, he's a grown man. He's he's it's his program. The way that he, his approach to it, quite frankly, is the right way to do it. Again, you're taking over a team that went one and eleven. Like, I wouldn't keep most of my guy because, like, Brent Venables c- could not come in and do the same thing because he took over a team that won ten games. So you have to keep your guy. You want to keep the likes. You you well. Fuck, let me rephrase that. You take over a team that wins 10 games, you can't walk in and just say, everybody pack your bags, get out of here. You're not worth it. You didn't even win your conference, this, that. You can't do that. You can, but it's not going to be received well. So that's why you keep your Danny Stutzmans and your your uh, your your Ethan Downs and your, your uh, I'm blanking on names, your Woody Washingtons. I mean, just go down the list, your Drake Stoops. That's why you keep all those guys around. Those guys that were there for that, but they're also here for this. You you keep those guys around for a reason because they were a part of that winning culture, if you will, that you had beforehand. Now you're trying to take that winning culture and take it to a championship culture. So, you know, give or take, you do what you do. Again, each approach is different, like, or each approach is different, but it's just however you look at it. Now, the thing that ticks me off the most was the people on Twitter who are trying to basically insinuate that Brent Venables is a racist because he specifically called out Deion Sanders. And one in particular is on ESPN. Now, here's the thing. I think everyone on this earth has respect for Mike Wilbon. Obviously, I do. Being someone who's doing this sports media thing as a young guy like Mike Wilbon is an icon. He's he's you know, PTI is one of my favorite sports shows. It's like the one show that I remember from my childhood going to the barbershop. And every time I walked in there, PTI was on because it was always like 430 when I would go. And Tony Kornheiser and Mike Wilbon are on TV. Like, that's what I'm used to. I love that show. I love t- I love those two. But for Mike Wilbon to basically go out and insinuate enti- that Brent Venables is racist because he called out Deion Sanders of all coaches is plain BS. It's stupid. Anyone who knows anything about Brent Venables knows he's not even close to a racist. He's like, he's, it's just stupid. And for a guy of Wilbon's status to basically say, he didn't say those words, but that's literally what he was trying to say. Like it's, it's, it's not that deep. It's it's the best example in that moment because I mean it truly is. So that's the one thing that like kind of that rubbed me the wrong way was that we've got people on national TV and that's the problem with some of these national talking heads that they get on TV and they talk about Oklahoma things, <clears throat> Colin Cowherd, and they don't know what they're talking about. Like most of it's trolling. Most of it's just them talking to talk. But you you slowly, slowly, just like the thing that was on first take the other day where they're asking the question like, uh, I don't remember the exact question, but it was something stupid about Nick Saban. I think it was like his Nick Saban's legacy on the line this season. That just means you don't pay attention to college football. I mean, we all know, everybody in their dog know Alabama's going to have a great year this year. No matter who's starting at quarterback, they're going to find a way. Like, you think about Alabama, besides Tua Tugavaiola, 
you can't even really off the top of your head, you probably can't really think of the 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 quarterback that they had when they won the national championship. Like, yeah, there what I think we didn't Blake's I think Blake Sims won a national championship, if I'm not mistaken. Jake Coker, who knows what Jake Coker's doing now? He was a national championship winner for him. Greg McElroy. Now we know he's on ESPN, you know, talking outside of his neck now, too. But I mean, again, like You've got these people who just get on TV and they don't pay any attention to the stuff that they're talking about. It's all it's all stupid, but at the end of the day, it is what it is. I mean, it's all this is the problem with it's the problem with with the off season. Like it's what July 20th I think is when I'm recording this. This is the worst part. Like, we're only 43 days away. So, thankfully, all this crap will be done and over with, and we'll move on to the next Twitter fight probably in the next five minutes. But, yeah, that's that's that. So, uh, all that uh, all that aside, uh, Oklahoma hit the ground running, has hit the ground running and recruiting in, in the summer and um, landed two commitments this week. First off, with the commitment of Zion Raggins. Raggins, I'm not sure exactly how you say the last name, but... Uh, 5'9 wide receiver out of Georgia, uh, picked Oklahoma over Georgia and Florida State. Now, the best way I can put this is you just got another Hollywood Brown on your hands. Uh, Raggins is a burner, uh, simply put. And uh, first in the state of Georgia in the relays, I believe. Um, I can't really remember off the top of my head what his forty time is, but it's probably probably somewhere in the four twos. If I had to, if I had to guess, I mean, just the way the kid runs, uh, speed, speed, speed. Like that's the name of his game, and, and that's kind of what you've seen with this with this offense under Jeff Lebby. I mean, you saw it when you go and get a guy like Andrew Anthony. That's been the number one thing that's been talked about with him. Gavin Sawchuk, obviously, when he was coming out of Colorado, he was he was the fastest player in Colorado and he's, you know, obviously still that. And then, um, you talk about a Jacquesi, I always messed up his name. Jacquez Petaway, who Brent Venable spoke very highly of it. Brent 12, big 12 media day. And I've talked about, I've talked about this a ton, uh, about how Petaway is one of those guys I think is really going to make an impact on the offense this year. And it wouldn't shock me at all. If he sees some playing time, uh, not even just because of his speed, but just because of the way he plays. I mean, he he reminds me a little bit of D.D. Westbrook. Uh, and if he's anywhere like D.D., then, you know, we obviously know how that's going to end. So um, you're seeing a lot more speed start to build up. And obviously in the SEC, that's what you need. You need a lot of speed, speed kills. Now, Taylor Tatum, the commitment, uh, number one running back in the country, a four-star recruit across the board. Well, five-star, I think, on 24-7, but four-star recruit on on3.com's industry rankings which i believe the industry ranking is like the 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 combination of every recruiting site if i'm not mistaken uh but taylor tatum commits out of longview texas uh which quite interesting by the way uh yesterday or the day before tatum's commitment depending on when you're listening to this was 19 years to the date that malcolm kelly committed to oklahoma another longview lobo so quite interesting how that worked out but uh taylor tatum out of longview texas uh, picked oklahoma over that team out west and you know it's been fun on those twitter streets with those twitter fights uh but baseball played a huge role in this recruitment skip johnson had a lot to do with this one uh kind of leveraging the baseball and the football aspect of it a lot of kyler murray uh discussions involved throughout this process but taylor tatum is um a guy 
Ooh, oh my gosh, excuse me. Uh, Tatum's a guy with, I mean, listen, in the SEC, that's what, that's what this entire class is about. You're recruiting to go into the SEC. And in the SEC, you've got to be able to run the football. Uh, J.D. Piquel of On3.com put it like this. Your ticket of admission in the SEC is being able to run the football. Jeff Levy, his his MO is running the football. I mean, like, we're RTDB all the way. You look at the Georges of the world who had, a, 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 I think, an 800, 900-yard rusher in Kenny McIntosh a year ago. Jameer Gibbs at Bama, obviously one of the best running backs in the country, was the first running back off the board. Not, 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 I can't talk. Was the second running back off the board in the draft this year, I believe. Uh, like, you, you've got, was it? Yeah, he was second. Bijan was first. Right. So, anyway, uh, running the ball in the SEC is critical. I mean, you look at the national championship teams of the past. They all had great running backs. Talk about the Alabamas. We already know Derrick Henry, uh, uh, all those guys. I mean, Georgia, like I said, Kenny McIntosh, like it matters. Taylor Tatum comes in five, five, 10, 200 pounds plus ran a four, five, 40, a four, four, two shuttle and was the area champion in the area champion in the 200 meter dash in the state of texas but tatum's a guy with a great burst he can he, he his hands are really impressive he's a guy that they're going to be able to do a lot of stuff with out of the backfield probably put him out in the slot if they need to um great at attacking the ball in the air this is probably i would say or, well actually not probably i think this is hands down the best running back prospect oklahoma's picked up since joe mixon and joe mixon coming out of high school was a big freaking deal i mean he was a five-star guy he was you know same guy guy who could run guy who could catch had a really nice build and we saw how electric he was in the two two seasons that he played so i mean this is all going to work out well for Oklahoma. Really great pickups. Um, and, and I love the way that it's heading. Like, I know people early on were just freaking out about recruiting. It's the same thing they did last year. But people are going to have to get used to this under Brent Venables where it's going to be slow. It's going to be kind of that. It's going to be that take all your visits, make sure that you're settled and go right into it. But heading into the season, I think you're going to see a lot more. I mean, heading into the August, heading to the month of August, you're going to see guys like Williams Williams Wineri commit finally got the last name right. David Stone should pop in August. Like there's no timeline on him, but I would just assume he pops in August. I have no sourced information on that. I would just assume so. Uh, Michael Patterson is getting ready to commit next week or on on July 31st. So yeah, that's next week. Uh, Michael Patterson getting ready to commit the safety out of Westmore. <laughs> you know our fierce rivals, but love Michael. Um, I mean, we're talking about Nigel Smith is getting ready to pop Dominic McKinley. Like you've got a, a Braden Platt, like they're getting ready to hit the ground running as the season approaches. And obviously the biggest thing is keeping this class together, just like it was a year ago. I mean, I think that was a big worry when this whole six and seven thing happened that people thought you were going to lose Jackson Arnold, but realize he's the one that was keeping this class together. And the fact that they managed to keep that a top five class together through that, you know, season from hell is impressive and they're going to have to do the same thing this year now like the thing with sec media days one of the biggest things was now one a lot of um a lot of oklahoma media made their way down to sec media days and uh, a large portion of questions for these sec coaches was 
you know, your thoughts on Oklahoma and Texas heading into the con heading into the conference. Greg Sankey answered a lot of questions about it. Uh, you know, Shane Beamer spoke highly of it. Mark Stoops, Josh Heupel, Nick Saban, all the guys. Besides the kid from LSU, everybody in Nashville seemed to be in on one accord and thinking that Oklahoma's going to be just fine heading into the SEC. And I know for the fans, that's a worry. I know there are fans that think that as soon as they step into the SEC, or even OU fans think as soon as they step into the SEC, that they're just going to get clobbered and smothered up and down the field. But here's the thing about the SEC. Like, yeah, it's the best conference in football. It's the most competitive conference in football. But there's really only three teams that are like, make you shake in your boots. That's Bama, Georgia, and sometimes it's LSU. Florida's on the come up. I think Florida's going to be great. They're going to be fine under Billy Napier. They had a similar year to OU last year, a bit rocky, but they've been they've been high rolling and recruiting this summer too. They're going to be just fine under, under Billy Napier. But outside of those three programs, that's not that's like, you know, Auburn, I don't know what Auburn's going to do under Hugh Freeze. I think they're going to be okay. They're going to win some football games. I like Robbie Ashford a lot. He's going to do some really good things there. Uh, you know, I mean, you talk about, like I already said, like not, nobody's worried about Mizzou. Uh, Texas A&M, like, you know, A&M's just, they're there. I mean, I, I have no idea what that what that's going to look like. Um, you know, Vanderbilt, they're there. Uh, 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 you know, like, there's not really a South Carolina. South Carolina is going to be really good. They're going to be, they're going to be Shane Beamer. Shane Beamer's doing excellent things out there. Tennessee, they're on the rise with Josh Heupel. But uh, back to the initial discussion, like everybody seems to just be in agreement that Oklahoma is going to be fine. Um, and I think for the fans, that's one of the big things that, that we've got to get on board with. Like this year is a boomer bust year. You, you can't really answer the question. Is Oklahoma SEC ready until you play some ball this year? Like for me personally, after I'm done watching OU games, it's SEC football on TV all day. Like you got to see what these opponents are doing. Now I say this like I'm a coach, but you're you're watching like essentially you're watching film, if you will. Essentially, you're checking out your future opponent. You're checking out how things are going to look. Like I uh, and so for for. Like for next season, you're going to be stepping into a year where Jackson Arnold is your starting quarterback when you play Alabama, your first SEC game. And, you know, that's going to be that's going to bring a lot of excitement. I mean, you could be talking about a college game day game if, if Oklahoma hits the ground running this year. Um, it's exciting because you're as you get closer and closer to it. I mean, the SEC, the, the conference itself is obviously really juiced up about this. Uh, you know, it kind of cracks me up that there are some SEC fans on social media that are like, we don't want OU in Texas. And then you got guys like Nick Saban and Kirby Smart and and and, and Greg Sankey, the freaking commissioner, all coming out and saying this makes our conference better. This makes our conference more competitive. Now, backstage, they're saying this gives us more money. But in reality, like, well, that, too. But still, it, it, it makes your conference more competitive. There's more juice. There's more. It's all these different things, all the coach speak, if you will. But. You're talking about a move here that reju that's gonna that's gonna make college football because like here's the thing, college football could look different five years from now when you talk about conference realignment and all this different stuff. You talk about the super conference thing. You talk about like like I know one of the teams I would love to see come to the SEC is Clemson. I would love to see that happen. I could see that happening at some point in the next five years. Wishful thinking, but who also thought that Oklahoma and Texas were going to be in the SEC three years ago? Hmm, definitely not me. So you never know what could happen. But um, 
you know, Shane Beamer talked a lot about how, like, you know, yeah, he thinks Oklahoma's ready, but the SEC's obviously no stews fest. Like every, the, you know, the biggest thing about it, every time you step, every time you step into a, a stadium in the SEC, you're stepping into a crowd. You're going to step into an environment of 70, 80, 90, 100 K. Like there's no slouches unless your name is Vanderbilt, but there's no slouch. Well, and maybe not even Vanderbilt. I mean, they're, they're probably going to do, they're probably going to do some, some really good things under Clark Lee. I know he got an extension the other day, so clearly they're juiced up about him, but um, the energy in the SEC is just different. And when you talk about is OU SEC ready, that's from a standpoint of the players, of the, the coaches, of the fan base, of the media, all of the administration, all these different pieces play into it. But I mean, I, I just don't get how you can't be excited. Like I know coming off a of six and seven year, you're obviously going to, you're going to be a little rattled, but when you really think about it, I think you have all the reason to be excited about where this thing is going into the sec. I think it's going to be great. I think it's going to be awesome. Tra like I've said a million times, traveling to some of these venues and getting to getting to see Oklahoma play in Oxford or in Tuscaloosa or College Station again or in Columbia again or in Athens. Like that's going to be really freaking fun to do. So uh, it should be great to see. I mean, I think that, like I said, this year's a boomer bust year and the Big 12. The, look, the schedule this year, there's no reason this team shouldn't win 10 games. Simply put, I mean. You know, most of the teams you lost to a year ago aren't on your schedule this year. Like, there's no team this year, probably outside of Texas, that really tells me, holy crap, they're going to lose that game. Or holy crap, they're going to limp into that game. Now, I say that, and there's always that one game every year. We know it's going to happen. Maybe it's Cincinnati. Maybe it's BYU. But we'll see in the end of the day. But that's going to do it for this episode. Just a quick little get behind the mic and do something new because we haven't uploaded an episode in two or three weeks. And I do apologize for that. Like I said, man, summer's crazy. Um, we're going to do, I, I'm actually pondering doing a little round table before the season starts, maybe before fall camp or maybe during fall camp, something like that. We'll get probably some of the former guys on some of the, some former players on here to talk about it. Like we've had in the past with Noah Allen and Alonzo Dotson and all those guys. We'll probably do something like that again. Uh, we've also been in talks with a few sooner legends to get, not that those guys aren't legends. I mean, shout out to them. Love them. If, if, if y'all are listening, you know, you know, it's all love, but um, we might have some, 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 some sooner, some guys that are, that are, that are on plaques at the University of Oklahoma, get them in here. Maybe we'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll all see how that goes, but thank you guys for listening. Make sure you guys uh, share this episode, do all that stuff. Uh, share this to your dad. If he's out working in the garden or mowing the, well, he mowing the lawn probably can't hear me, but uh, if he's doing yard work or he's working on something in the garage, send it to him, have him listen to the episode, do whatever it is you need to do, but make sure you get out there. We got to get these, uh, we got to get these checks in and pay some bills. So your download and your listen always helps. So we appreciate your generosity. We thank you guys for tuning in. Once again, follow the Blitz period on Twitter and Instagram. The Instagram page at Jalen and Ross. The Twitter page at Twitter. I'm sorry. The Twitter page at Jalen Ross underscore. And um, I think that's about all I need to plug. So uh, for the 10th time, thank you guys for listening. And we'll see you all next week.
Thank you for listening to The Blitz Period with Jalen Ross, presented by BNM Media and Sooners360.com. Make sure to go follow Jalen at Sooner Sports Daily on Instagram and at underscore Jalen Ross on Twitter.